This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hey, you folks, good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanisin with... Lily Chai. It is now five minutes past 12pm, Thursday, February the 16th. And we've got a, I would say, an utterly good show for you today. <laughs> uh, oftentimes, founders and entrepreneurs uh, look towards an IPO as a big milestone in their respective journeys. Uh, the founder's journey, of course. But... You know, Lily, going public often comes with its own problems, right? So mm-hmm. today, in, like I said, an interesting show on BizBytes. We'll be speaking with uh, Loi Tuan E, the Managing Director of FarmFresh, about life after going public, managing the pressures that come with it, and also um, the inside scoop on their majority stake acquisition in homegrown ice cream chain, the inside scoop. Lily, mm-hmm. I was not very creative with that line, was I? <laughs> I think you got it in the morning when you were discussing this with Keith. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Keith Gam was uh, full of puns when we were talking yeah. earlier today. Uh, but before we get into our chat with uh, Loy, uh, Lily, could you give us a little bit of background here? Yes. So after building uh, Farm Fresh for a decade, Louis and his partners shepherd Farm Fresh towards... <laughs> wow, today is a punny day. <laughs> towards its public listing back in March last year. So at the time, based on its offering price uh, at 1.35 ringgit. It was valued at around 2.5 billion ringgit and now it's floating around 3 billion ringgit on Bursa main market. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. But despite success in public markets, right, going public can bring with it all kinds of different pressures as we noted earlier yeah. and problems for entrepreneurs and founders. So with just around a year since going public under his belt today, we have uh, Loi Tuan E, Managing Director of Farm Fresh, to explore how an entrepreneur's life changes after an IPO. Lloyd, good afternoon. How are you doing today? Hi, good afternoon, Roshan and Lily. I'm good. Uh, yeah, okay. I think um, it was a good question. You know, every entrepreneur sometime uh, during your course of building a business, you always look at, you know, the IPO was like kind of apex of your yeah. career. Yeah. You know, things are looking good. No, I think I guess that um, now that we are a year, almost a year into our IPO, now, the truth is that, as I say, that uh, <clears throat> it is indeed a great milestone for the company. Now, I think being an entrepreneur over the years, you are very, very, um, <clears throat> so to speak, like, you know, agile, mm-hmm. you know, do things <clears throat> quick and things like that. Now, uh, post-IPO, I think is very, very different, you know. You have all these um, uh, fund managers putting the money to you. Public monies are in there. Uh, insurance money, government money. So I think I think the accountability changed a lot in that sense. The dynamic actually really changed. So, <clears throat> like for example, I think just uh, in one of the examples that uh, yesterday we just mm. announced uh, Inside Scope um, acquisition, a great company. <laughs> now, I, I remember it takes through, you know, the um, numbers of months of um, preparations to get our board members, you know, to buy into the ideas and then prepare all the necessary due diligence and then resubmit again for their final approval yesterday. We deliberated for more than two and a half hours. So our board, for example, you know, we have seven members, uh, out of which out of seven, four are independent directors. Mm. So in another word, I suddenly felt that, you know, hey, Lloyd, now, <laughs> now things that, you know, not like before, if you if you want to do, you know, a phone call with uh, with partners, let's say, for example, Kazana, in order we can deliberate, we can make very quick decisions. In this case, that, you know, all the due process have to go through. Mm. And now that the board approved that we announced, 
announced and then we have to go for the second stage you know to get the shareholders to buy in as well so Lloyd, um the difference being uh, this time it took a few months to get to this point i'm guessing before this it was much quicker than that to do a deal like this yeah i think before that it would be very quick you know i'd say a phone call to 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 uh, my partner then was kazana and things like that you know we agree on it the team get to work and then we can table it up sometimes we can even do to circulars and what's not and quickly get it done and then we get into action so i think all this has changed significantly and then you know for now at least i felt that you know the accountabilities are there because I I mean we were yesterday very pleased when our board member finally approved it's like ah oh, you know <laughs> uh, get up on the road ah they approved already right so I think this is where I think um it's a trade off right and in any entrepreneur when you have the kind of uh, freedoms to do things you know right. but when you go IPO it is a public money uh, you just have to go through the due process in terms of accountability so that that due process cannot be uh taken for granted mm. but i guess um a lot of people glorify ipo as an exit right for many entrepreneurs of businesses so what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who think like that <laughs> no yeah, okay <laughs> i think the 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 exit plan for ipo in our case is that you know basically i think kazana was with me for more than a decade right i think it is only fair for them to take some money off the table after with me for a 10 years right so i think uh, in our in our uh, uh, planning you know in terms of going to market there are many different um, uh, there are couple of consideration one is kazana consideration second thing is also i think it is also time for company to raise more money because uh, our industries are very capex intensive as well now i have not sold a single share since the ipo till now in fact if there is i actually added some <laughs> so so i don't think so that you know i take it as an exit um uh, i think for the company standpoint uh we i wish that you know the team will continue to build the company and there are many good things ahead of us right. and we think that you know we learn enough and they in this space to actually continue to 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 build a company uh, at which point that the uh the entrepreneur that actually want to list their company right you know i think if they were to look uh, in a sense that you know ex uh, exit strategy probably applicable to those fund manager that supported you just like our kazana or any private equities that invested in you i think that probably is more uh um relevant to those uh, right. investor but i think for founder you are the key man to the company you probably will continue to drive it the only thing that you need to adjust is that you know um it, it will not be the same right the yeah. accountability is very very different yeah so essentially um some key stakeholders or investors may need a, a liquidity event eventually to just take their stake and they they have other mandates they need to fulfill um but like and in an ipo isn't the only way uh, to exit or it's not the only liquidity event out there there's always mna and on this note just yesterday the news came out that farm fresh is looking to buy a majority stake in homegrown ice cream chain the inside scoop so loy um could you give us the inside scoop on this <laughs> yeah i know i absolutely adore this company i love them uh and admin and his wife shuli i think they have done a great job uh it's very hard because i built farm fresh by competing with all these multinational giants right mm. and um it is not an easy task to actually um, beat them for example 
And if you look at the homegrown, right, um, ice cream space, for example, the artisanal ice cream space, you can't find many that like inside scope that successfully compete with people like Baskin Robin or Hagen Dazs, for example. So our view is that, you know, it is a great brand. The executions are great, you know, and the peoples are very, very passionate. And for Farm Fresh, if let's say we wanted to go down to consumer package ice cream, for example, I don't have to start from ground zero, right? right. You know, so here mm. I have surely, you know, Edmund, you know, I really, really know this business. And all we need to do, you know, leveraging on the brand and we are able to go down to this consumer uh, package uh, ice cream, whereby, you know, it's, it's one over billion ringgit industry dominated by Unilever's and uh, Nestle, mm. for example. So I think we hope that, you know, in the coming decades, you know, Inside Scoop will be another uh, homegrown ice cream brand that Malaysian love. So I think this is something that we're very excited about, yeah. That does that mean that we can expect a line of ice cream coming up from Farm Fresh anytime soon? Uh, yeah, I think that is the plan. So uh, we have a uh, factory in Einstein. Uh, we are in the midst of uh, submission plannings and things like that. So hopefully, you know, when the plant uh, is set up, uh, Inside Scope can have a CPG ice cream line down there hmm. and uh, and uh, all the Malaysians can actually, you know, uh, continue to enjoy their, their, their ice cream in a, in a single-serve portion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, aside ice cream, Loy, um, can we expect other acquisitions into related customer-facing businesses? Are you looking to go more downstream overall? Uh, for now, I think uh, uh, we will always uh, continue to be on the lookout for such opportunities, right? I think on our own also, we started our own Jom Cha, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is a beverage extension of our existing range of product. Let's say, for example, for our fresh meal, our yogurts and our oatmeal and what's not. So <clears throat> this is a natural extension to us. I think we view it more like a vertical uh, integration. Continue to 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 make our product available uh, in a different form of uh, serving for consumer, right? So um, if there is any suitable opportunities, of course we look at it. But I think uh, we will be very careful and selective as to how do we want to approach this. Now, Laurie, of course, um, the product itself being milk, uh, milk. There's. Well, many ways you can milk this product for the longer term into different uh, iterations. But before we go into a few messages, I do want to wrap up the, the talk about the IPO process with this. Um, the process itself, getting to the IPO, is not something that happens overnight. It's a long process and it itself is a job of its own. What was the process like and what were the key lessons you learned as an entrepreneur? I think the IPO process, honestly, I think it's really very, very tedious. In the light of the current um, IPO requirement, right, I think um, it is a process that you cannot take it lightly. It really, really drains out your entire team if you take this path. So I think the one lesson that we learned, I think your team really have to be ready for that and you got to have a designated team to really handle that. Or else, you know, guys like us, you know, we run the business day in, day out and things like we're very hands-on, you know. And uh, if you are not careful, what happened is that the flow of the works is so tedious that it requires constant attention of yours. And um, if you spend too too much time on those uh, activities, right, it may actually um, derail some of your day-to-day operation and that can be very dangerous. And and the whole process takes more than a year, right? So I think um, to have a good CFO, 
is very very important and then the teams of people that are around you that you know are designated so you don't you don't get distracted too much over this uh, the IPO process because you want go IPO so you <laughs> you keep on focusing on that what about the other job that you need to do so that's very dangerous so you can't you can't take the eyes off the ball mm-hmm. of your day to day running yeah Lloyd, thank you so much. Now, uh, don't go anywhere uh, because we've got a lot more to talk about. Up next, now that Farm Fresh is a public listed company, how can it manage shareholders to ensure that the company doesn't lose its soul? We'll find out from Lloyd in a few minutes. But in the meantime, let us know what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899. Or you can get in touch with us on Twitter at BFM Radio. Uh, keep it here to Enterprise Biz Bites on BFM 89.9. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hey, folks, welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kunison, joined in the studio by Lily Chai. And if you've just joined us today on Biz Bites, we're exploring how an entrepreneur's life changes after going public via IPO. And helping us with this conversation is Lloyd Tuan E, Managing Director of Farm Fresh. Farm Fresh went public just about a year ago in March, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Lloyd, thanks for sticking with us here in the studio. Um, now, in an interview with Vulcan Post you did in December, or at least it was published in December, uh, there were a few interesting things there. And one thing in particular was that you noted that some of the bigger brands have had difficulty in keeping what you call their brand promise due to things like, you know, cost pressures or maximizing profit, things that come with going public. Um, like I said, this generally seems to be the problem when a company does go public. Um, what won't this pressure now kind of apply on you as well? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, this is a tough question. Now, I think I think over the years, I did see, you know, a lot of uh, big companies, right, you know, uh, that how their value have changes, you know, and over the time, like what you say rightly, whether it's a cost pressure or whether it's the shareholders, stakeholders pressures and what's not, uh, that uh, forces them, you know, to maximize the profit. And consequently of that, you know, um, you know, um, you actually start to cut corners and over the times, you know, the product no longer the same like what it used to be, for example, right? So I think that to me, I, I see that as a, a very bad trend in the sense that, you know, uh, um, any of those mothers, you know, or the customer that trust you for such a long time and without them realizing over the, you know, a decades or two, you know, the product that they use is, is no longer the same. Now, with regards to farm fresh, I think I think we we have worked very hard in a sense that you know for 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 one obvious reason why are we here today after one decade? Why will Malaysians support farm fresh? Right? I think obviously it is our value pr- uh, propositions on how that we take customer well being uh, matters in our day to day in day out. You know we're mm-hmm. doing thing. Now, I think this is where I felt that, you know, it is important that, you know, the company will have to work very hard to ensure that, you know, the very same DNA or the, the value that you, you, you build upon is being uphold that to ensure that, you know, the customer will continue to support. With regards to IPO, right, obviously, um, we got pressure from fund managers, you know. Uh, oh, Lord, you're com- oh, your margin compressed. <laughs> oh, you're destroying my... Uh, when can you do the recovery, for example, right? I-, I can understand all those things because it is a public money. They're managing someone else's money. Uh, we appreciate their concern, right? So I think this is something, a very delicate kind of balance between, you know, uh, how you need to navigate that. On one hand, you have the <clears throat> customer interest to look after, the employee interest, <clears throat> and also your shareholders. So I think 
um, there is no one method that fix for all, right? You know, so I think it it is something that we are still learning. Um, the first time, you know, we we, uh, we just IPO and we are dealing with a lot of fund manager, a lot of calls, a lot of briefing, you know, requests to meet up and things like that. So I, I hope that we can convince them sometime. A very short-term problem, um, not necessarily, you know, uh, even give impact you a little bit, but you, I think we should plan on the longer-term haul rather than, you know, short-term gain and then, you know, a long-term pain, right? Yeah, yeah and Lloyd, I very much appreciate the sentiment that comes with that and, you know, that's a lot of value there. The thing is, you're still running things right now, right? So you are still the gatekeeper of culture and the <laughs> values, but that might not always be the case. Um, what can you do now to ensure that Farm Fresh doesn't lose its soul and go the way of some of the other bigger players in the space, just a, that corporate entity? Okay. <laughs> now, <clears throat> incidentally, we just come back from our um, uh, senior management retreat. We spent three days in uh, in Desaru Hatro Hotel there, right? Mm. Now, I think I think I acknowledge that that challenge, right? I think to me personally, like what you rightly say, I'm still driving the company. I'm, I have eye everywhere, you know. I'm 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 hands on as well. Now, the, the the retreat. One of the main thing that we wanted to achieve out of that retreat was that you know we really, I really felt the burdens of you know how to actually cascade this value down to our second tier and third tier and go on and so on and so forth. So. One of the things that we discussed was the purpose statement, right? Mm. Why Farmfresh do Farmfresh is doing now, right? There must be a purpose behind, you know, the brand. So having built the consumer support and all this, thing, I think it is very important. The successions, you know, uh, who that whoever to take over my job, you know, in years to come, that that we, I hope that I can inculcate the kind of DNA in them to know that. Doing well by doing good, I think is very important. You, we have seen many companies, right? You know, they don't have to be crooked, you know, but they still do well and they're still doing very good. So I think that is something that have shown, you know, the last one decade, how we have succeeded in doing it and why not the next decade and the next decade again, right? Mm-hmm. So why you only change your value? So I think the answer to that, you know, whether when I hang down, will that be uh, the same. I, I, as a founder, I hope that that DNA, uh, the founder mentalities, will still be hang on. You know, and 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 the people have to believe the the, the very purpose of this company. So if you can keep that, I hope that you know, even I'm not around, the company will still continue to do uh, well. Right on that note, right? Have you found someone to uh, hand over your business to? <laughs> Or at least have there been any talks yeah. of succession? Yeah, planning? yeah. I, th- I think we are planning out all the succession plan, right? Mm. I think this is something that um, uh, obviously, you know, um, uh, the markets, you know, capital markets and all mm. this sort of thing, they, they are concerned about succession. Um, as of now, it is a very active thing. That is why, as I said, that we do all these things, you know, to to uh, enable our, you know, not only the C-suite, right, you know, the, the second tier managers and so on and so forth to push up people, you know, the talents within our, com- uh, within our company. And then uh, hopefully that, you know, as years goes by, you know, you are able to identify some very strong can- uh, candidates, not only CEO, you know, even right. the CMO, for example, and all this, you know, the, even our production, for example, all this is, is need to be, you know, having a succession plan. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, um, I have this question about, uh, you know, listening throughout, throughout the whole conversation. It sounds very intimidating, right? And I, I guess it might be as well for as uh, entrepreneurs out, out there. You know, you need to be accountable to your shareholders, your stakeholders, your fund managers. And then you have to find people uh, to uh, fine-tune, you know, your whole process. All of these processes are very intimidating, right? It, for you to list your company, What's the trade-off then? What makes it worthwhile for you to do this? <laughs> no, I think Lily, sometimes I think in life, <clears throat> it's hard to get everything on the ideal uh, situation, right? There will always be a trade-off. In this case, I think um, in exchange for those compliance, accountabilities and things like that, uh, because it's someone else's money, right? Now, our case, you know, we go to the market, we raise 300 million for the company. And with the money, right, you, you are able to grow the business, right. for example. So I think this is where that uh, you, when you do things like that, you know, the shareholders, like for example, Kazana, we go to the market, we raised one billion last year, right? So with the kind of money that people entrusted to you, I think it is only fair that all these check and balance, accountabilities, the sense of, you know, I think the integrity is very important, right? I know um, being a founder or the CEO of the company, if you, if you hold that tight, you know, you won't see this as a company. Right, you know, because you feel that you have got nothing to hide, you right? Mm. This kind of thing, it's just a natural progression that uh, all the due process has to be there. So I think it is hard to get an idea. I mean, you can't expect somebody to give you a billion ringgit and then you just do what you want without <laughs> any accountability or the company raise 300 million without, you know, you have to go in. Uh, so I think I personally find that, yeah. Yeah, to some extent, it might compromise your agility, like you know, when you want a quick action. But I think it's, it's a very fair trade-off that, you know, any entrepreneur that goes to the market, you have to prepare for this year. So that leads to another question I have here. Um, now, an IPO is, is, of course, not the only way to get funding, right? It's a great way to get a lot of funding for big growth. And maybe there are other investors that want to liquidate their, uh, their positions. Um, do you have any advice? We're going to get into more advice in a bit. But do you have any uh, advice or uh, thoughts on when a company should consider a public offering versus the different types of uh, ways to get funding? I think honestly, I think uh, this is something uh, very subjective. I think there is no one shoe fit all, right? Uh, every company go through a different stages of their scaling. Mm. And uh, it also depends on what kind of partners along the way that you brought in. You know, some fund managers that if you have really brought in, they are due, you know, there are numbers of years whereby they need to exit. So these are the pressure that you need to, you have to bear in mind that, you know, if you've taken money like that, um, you have to bear in mind, you know, when they want to exit, are you ready for them to exit? And if you're not, then you, you probably get caught under a very, very tough situation. Mm -hmm. So I think this is something that different company, obviously bank borrowing, you know, is one of the easiest one, but there is a risk, right? I mean, you have seen 1997, 98, right? How, mm. you know, the Asian financial crisis thanks so many great companies. Mm. So it's a trade-off. I, I believe that, you know, um, in terms of company leveraging and all these other things or taking monies from, from private equities or from, from, from wherever you think that is fit, it's really... You, you only know best what kind of horizon are you looking at. So I think that should be really very carefully uh, looked at, you yeah. Loy, um, 
a lot more to talk about. But up next, we're going to take a look at your journey as an entrepreneur. Uh, you've gone from Endeavor, Endeavor mentee, mentee to mentor to board member. Uh, so I want to pick your brain on how you want to help future entrepreneurs. And more importantly, what other entrepreneurs can do to build a thriving startup ecosystem. In the meantime, let us know what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899. Or get in touch with us over on Twitter at BFM Radio. Keep it here to Enterprise Biz Bites, only on BFM 89.9. Better Finance Management, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon, folks. You're listening to Enterprise Biz Bites. It is now seven minutes past 12.30 in the afternoon. And I'm Roshan Kanesan with Lily Jai in the studio. If you've just joined us today on Biz Bites, we've got Laurie Tuan E, Managing Director of Farm Fresh, on the show with us. And we've been exploring how an entrepreneur's life changes after going public, which Farm Fresh did just about a year ago. Um, well, we've talked a lot about a lot of things, and I think we spent enough time talking about life after IPO. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about now is uh, recently you've uh, gone you've gone from Endeavor mentee to mentor to board member. Uh, first thing, tell us a little bit about how Endeavor has played a role in your entrepreneurial journey with Farm Fresh or the other things you've done, and the mentors along the way that helped you. Yeah, I think to me, Endeavor ecosystem has been really great, right? You know, <clears throat> I remember um, when I was um, selected uh, to be one of the uh, uh, entrepreneur, Endeavor entrepreneur. I think the journey of even being selected itself is also eye-opening in the sense that, you know, the questions of people asking you, all those uh, uh, guys that interview you. And then uh, prior to that, you know, then you have these, uh, 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 some of these mentors. And uh, I, I remember I come to the office here. Uh, Malik used to be my mentor as well, you know, asking about, you know, uh, uh, marketing, uh, ad spends and things like that. So I'm glad that I'm seeing him for another time since the lockdown. And then, of course, you have people like Absal as well. You know, I remember Absal uh, when he was mentoring me. I was doing like 20, 30 million. I said, Lloyd, this is a half a billion business. I, said, I, <laughs> I go like my eye go bling. And all this crazy half a billion. You know, we. I think things like that, sometimes they challenge you. And then you start to think, right? Hey, you know, why all these guys are looking at this business yeah. from a very, very different angle? Sometimes you get intimidated. And you need, you need people like that to actually open up and then to encourage you to look at things in a very different manner, right? Yeah. So, Lloyd, just following up on that. A lot of times we see people wanting to surround themselves with yes people. But you've highlighted that it's important to have people around you that challenge you, whether it's internal or external. Um, yeah, why is it so important to have people like that? Shouldn't you want, I mean, like smooth sailing in front of you instead of, you know, fighting about this or being challenged about that? Uh, incidentally, this is oh, so coincident, you know, during the retreat. Uh, <laughs> I do my closing uh, remarks to my team to say that, you know, I really wish that, you know, I'm surrounded with people that can challenge me, right? Because if, if you are surrounded with yes men, that is very, very dangerous. And I say that I'm, I'm one boss that, you know, you don't worry. I think I will love you because if you continue to prove me wrong, then I know you are, you, you are, you think better than uh, for me. So I don't think so. I will feel, you know, your ego got bruised and things like that. You know, someone tell you something that, you know, um, that, you might not be in agreement, for example, that get you to think. So I think, I think in terms of uh, mentor and all this sort of thing, I mean, I, I remember the, uh, I used to call it the tough love and things like that, <laughs> right? This is exactly what you need. You want people to share with you their 
genuine thoughts yeah. about you. You want to hear people to share with you. You know, it is not a paid consultant uh, services where, but, but you know, they they speak what you like to listen, right? You know, so this is what they evaluate you. They look at your business model and then they share. You know, uh, what what that is relevant to you. So I think it's for you to absorb it, and whether you want to take the advice or not, that is entirely up to you. But I think at least you have a chance to hear some very honest feedback about how they look at your business mm. and your individual uh, uh, management style, for example. Mm. Yeah. I, I heard from one entrepreneur who said, don't surround yourself with like-minded people, but right-minded people. Hmm. Right, uh, on that note, right, uh, since you used to be a mentee, now tables have kind of turned that you <laughs> need to mentor people. Um, what are your plans to help future entrepreneurs then? I think Lawa uh, the Endeavors uh, ecosystem, right? You know, there um, you get help from people now that you establish. You know, it's time for you to give back as well. So I think if you look at the the whole ecosystem, we have so many mentors and the board members. Each and every one have got different coming from different background, different experience, different you know expertise. For example, right? So I think it is very important that when you when you are part of the ecosystem. Uh, I think the Endeavor teams are able to see what are your challenges, what are your weaknesses, and then they will be able to suggest the mentor for you that are relevant to you, for yeah. example, right? So I think this is very, very important. And and the most important part of it, you get honest view, right? As in unadulterated, how that guy <laughs> think, not a paid service, it's all pro bono. And then, and then this is very important. You want to listen to that, right? So like me, for example, being a mentor or, you know, how I can give back. I think I probably um, a very rare case of a, of a cattle farmer, uh, you know, <laughs> making a success in agriculture, for example. So I think what my experience over the years is that you, I mean, you set out to do something, you really have to have a courage. I think at 40 plus, I gathered that kind of courage to actually dive down and, and start to do something which I have very little knowledge, but I, 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 I have a faith and belief that this can be done. And I'm notwithstanding the kind of the challenges I go through over the period of time, right? You know, thank God it was prevailed. So I think I, I wish that I can inspire some of these um, uh, uh, new startup. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of challenges. You need a lot of courage and, and, and confidence to do it. I think this is something I probably I can, can add some value for them, for example. You know, there's always there's a lot of um, survivorship bias in entrepreneurship, right? And um, that it's important to have belief, you know. But was there ever a time? I think it's important that we talk about times where you weren't as confident, right, as an entrepreneur, because it, it's not always yes, this is going to work, or I presume not. Were there any times that you felt like you know what? Maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe I need to consider other options. And how? What got you through that? If it, it, if this applies to you. Yeah, I think in my case, <clears throat> obviously the first uh, two, three years was not easy at all. <clears throat> to be honest, I think at some point I even doubted, oh gosh, Lord, have you made a right decision or not, <laughs> right? Now you're all, you know, you're all soaked already. Um, I, I think it's important that you also have to get the pointers you know, as you go through the, the, the challenges, right? In my case, I think um, what we realized that although the challenges was appear to be like insurmountable, right? It's so tough. Um, what I did was, and asked me, was that when we were on a supermarket selling floor, um, that time we are still bleeding, right? You know, um, when the consumer come back for more of our, and then because I spend most of my weekend on the 
selling floor supermarket. I can recognize some of them coming back. Mm. And you take comfort, you know, you talk to them, they say, oh yeah, my children like your meal. And then, then over the months, you re- begin to realize that you really have a product that your customer like. And that give you give you the charge, right? Extra charge to, to, to continue to move forward because you know you have the right product in hand. Now it's just a question of going through the pain in the distributions, brand buildings and scaling up and what's not. Yeah. So I think it is important that you have to calibrate as you goes by. Yeah. Mm. Right. On that note, right, um, what do you think should be in place uh, to build a more sustainable, thriving and concrete ecosystem in Malaysia as a whole? Yeah, I think the startup uh, in terms of all these young people that you know start uh, their own bus- uh, building their business. I think the ecosystem, learning from peers of different different industry, different different perspectives. Some are very good in digital. Some are very good in technology. Some are you know you know brandings and what's not yeah. manufacturing. So I think to me, I think that is something that um, uh, uh, any of the young startup, if you are part of the ecosystem, that will really help you because you are able to assess right. You know. Uh, 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 to all this know-how of people who are able to give you a good advice. So I think that to me is very important rather than you form your thoughts as to what you want to do. Sometimes things are really not that simple, right? You know, but uh, when you got someone enlighten you and it really, really makes a lot of area, you can avoid all this unnecessary mistake, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like speaking of mistakes, um, you know, there's been a lot talked about and written about and debated about so-called entrepreneurs like Sam Bankman-Fried or Elizabeth Holmes. And, you know, you could you could have a list of people who uh, now we know they're bad actors in the ecosystem. Um, as a seasoned veteran, uh, seasoned entrepreneur yourself, how do you think we can better filter out bad actors like these? Because what they do in the longer term is they erode trust in the ecosystem. Now, I, I remember this very vividly. In fact, this, um, um, the, uh, what do you call this, the uh, Elizabeth was actually shared in one of our uh, gathering, the mm. uh, ESL award that we get, you know. Um, so I think, I think in that, in that um, um, stewardship uh, award that we're talking about, it is important that I think today, you know, people have to look at the integrity of the person. Compliance is one thing, right? If you look at them, right, they are all compliance, right? You know, it, it, <laughs> it give you all the things. So all the big top funds also invested, you know, yeah. you presume that they have done all the due diligence and they comply, right? That's just why they're putting in hundreds of millions of US billions. But now they suddenly realize that, you know, compliance can be easily circumvented. And then what now left behind is the individual, the person integrity. I think the ethical part of it is very, very important, right? So otherwise, I think you 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 have to not only the business model or whatever numbers that come through. I think you also have to judge the individual or the founder as a person. What kind of character yes I think this is very important yeah. I think that's a brilliant note to end our conversation today Lloyd thank you so much for your time today thank you guys thank you thank you for having me here ladies and gentlemen that was Lloyd Tuan E managing director of Farm Fresh who went public just about a year ago if you missed any part of this conversation you can always catch it on podcast on our website at bfm.my or you can download the BFM app and make sure you follow follow Enterprise Biz Bites on it after the 1pm news bulletin we've got the breakfast grill replay uh, this morning on the hot seat, hot seat was Lim Wan Wai Moon founder and CEO or, and chairman of Dr. Anywhere this was a service launched in 20 
2017, and it's a tech-enabled omni-channel healthcare service provider, not just across Malaysia, but Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, and the Philippines as well. In December, the company announced a $39 million injection in the latest in its latest financing round. So on the grill this morning, um, he, uh, Lim Wai Moon was on to share... Th- uh, to talk about the expansion plan of the company and whether uh, profitability has already been achieved. You can catch that conversation after the 1pm news bulletin. I'm Roshan Kanisin with Lily Chai in the studio and it's been our pleasure. Uh, this has been Enterprise Biz Bites on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.